James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Well, good morning. And uh, we're going to be spending our time this morning in James chapter 1 from the verses that were just read. My name's Sam. I'm one of the pastors of Hunter Bible Church. And uh, let's just jump into it. What happens when you look in the mirror? I reckon there are two groups of people here. Uh, there's one group of people who I think are predominantly men who manage to look in the mirror and then what they see is a projected image of themselves and they see who they want to be. And they've nailed the art of kind of getting a glimpse in the mirror that picks up all of their best attributes. It picks up their very best angles. Now, here's a tip if you're long and lanky like me. Uh, the car window is a very flattering place to get a glimpse of yourself. It just kind of adds about 10 kilograms of muscle and you can see just how good your biceps really would be if the mirrors in, in, in your house did the job they were supposed to do. But then there are others of us who look in the mirror and all we see are faults and flaws. And you walk into the bathroom and you feel as though someone has replaced your bathroom mirror with one of those theme park mirrors that makes you look kind of frumpy and overweight and gives you a tiny little head or, or something like that. Or perhaps it's a bit like looking through a magnifying glass at yourself and all you can see are your dirty pores and your monobrow and the spots that you wish weren't there on your face. I think one of the things that's most disturbing about Zoom is that my computer camera reflects a picture of myself back at me constantly, all day long. It's like looking into a mirror all day long during meetings. And I don't know who's been tampering with my camera settings, but they've made me look as though there are lots and lots of creases on my forehead. It's made me look like I've got lots of lots of loose skin around my jaw. And it's one of the worst things about living in this COVID time. Sitting in front of that Zoom camera and looking at yourself all day long. These are the realities I can avoid by just taking a quick glimpse in the mirror and then leaving the house like you normally would in a, a non-COVID world. What's your relationship with your mirror like? James uses this visual aid of how we perceive ourselves in the mirror 
throughout the passage we're looking at today. And he likens the way that we look into the mirror to how we look into the Word of God. So have a look there again in verse 22. It says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So the big question that James is asking us here is what kind of relationship do you have with the Word of God? Now, it's not the first time in James that he's spoken about the Word. In James chapter 1, verse 18, it says, God chose to give us birth through the Word of truth. In verse 21, he says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the Word planted in you, which can save you. So the Word is planted in us and brings us salvation. Without God's Word... We cannot be saved. But with God's word implanted in us, James says our salvation is assured. But that seed must also grow. God's work in the life of a believer through the word never stays in that seed stage, but rather it's cultivated, it grows, it bears much fruit. Now, in order for that to happen, we need to think, well, what's our relationship with the Word of God like? And James is saying there is a wrong way to read the Bible. And that is to read the words, to hear the words, but not do anything about it. You might even hear the words and know exactly how they might apply to somebody else, somebody you know, but never actually apply them to your own life. This is the preacher's ever-present danger. To hear the words, to preach the word even faithfully, but not take God's word and impress them upon my own life. Now, when we do that, James is saying we deceive ourselves. Have a look there in verse 22. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. So how is it that we're self-deceived? Well, this is where that illustration comes in. In verse 23, says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So the word of God functions like a mirror for our heart and our mind. And when we read it, it reveals to us and convicts us of our sin. And we should be challenged to think, well, how does God want me to change? I don't think like that. Maybe God wants me to change my mind on this issue. It might just be a realisation that we're not living solely for the glory of God and so other things have crept in. So we need to repent. It might mean that we need to change particular behaviours in our life or we need to spend more time just praising God for his goodness to us. The deception is when we read the word and we see no area for change or repentance in our attitudes, in our affections, in our minds, in our hearts. It's like the young man who imagines that the real him is the one he sees in the car window with bigger muscles than reality. They fail to see what the mirror is actually telling them 
about themselves. One writer says this, The doctrines of God faithfully preached are such a mirror. He who hears cannot help discovering his own character and being affected with his own deformity. He sorrows and purposes amendment. But when the preaching is over, the mirror is removed. He soon forgets what manner of a man he was. He reasons himself out of the necessity of repentance and amendment of life and thus deceives his soul. So what is the right relationship we're to have with the Word of God? Well, there are two things that James highlights here for us. And the first is in verse 25, he says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. So we're to look intently into the Word of God. Now, one of the things that I've taken to recently is actually uh, shaving my head with a razor. Up until now, I've just been using clippers, but during this COVID season, I thought, well, most people don't see me most of the time, and so I'm going to just shave it with a razor. And, I've, and I quite like it. I quite like the feel of it. And I do most of it by feel as I'm in the shower. But I always need to follow it up because there's always a few stray bits. And I need to follow it up with a proper examination in the mirror. And you can find me looking intently into the mirror, looking for those last bits of stray hair that are buried deep in the crevices of my head. That's the idea that's captured in the phrase there, looks intently. So that's the first step. We should look intently into the Word of God. It takes time to see and examine the state of our soul. It takes time to reflect on the grace of God. It takes time to meditate on the grand promises of God and the surety of them through Christ our Saviour. And one of the good things about working from home is that for many of us, our commute to work is gone. We walk from the bedroom to the kitchen table and it's done. And so we actually have a little bit more time in our day to dedicate to this. And I have to say, this has been a really good thing for me, just to slow down a little bit, to meditate on God's Word more slowly than I might normally. I've been using a little app called Solid Joy by John Piper, and it kind of it jumps around the Bible a bit, which is not ideal, and it really only ever focuses on one verse. But what I've tried to do is read the verse in context of the whole chapter, read the whole chapter around it. And what I appreciated about it is his slow and careful unpacking of the verse. He helps me to just look intently into the Word of God instead of skimming over it. Maybe you've been following along with Greg's Bible in a Year plan online where he shares some thoughts about the passages that he's read each day. Fantastic, that's a wonderful thing. Can I encourage you not to let this season go by without developing some new habits, some good habits, around the reading of God's Word. If you're new to Christianity or new to the Bible and you don't have a Bible at home, you can just download one uh, onto your device, your phone or your iPad or whatever it might be. And, and we'd love you to connect with us. Connect with us through the online connect card at hunterbiblechurch.org and we can give you some tools that will help you to start reading the Bible on your own. This is actually one of our values as a church. We want to be theologically and Bible-driven. 
One of the things that's been really great about this COVID season is that we've had time to kind of rapidly produce material that helps all of us to be able to look intently into the Word of God. Just go to our YouTube page and you'll find stuff on James and the resurrection and where is God in COVID and the, the Trinity and so on. And if you join us as a church, you can expect that this is what we will do. Each week we will work hard in the Bible and we'll seek to explain it as clearly as we can. We will keep encouraging you to look intently into the Word of God. But the second thing he says we ought to do is not only look intently into the Word of God, but to do what it says. Verse 25, he says, Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. So when we look intently into the Word of God, we're to hear what it says to us, and do what it says. In other words, we want to make sure that we apply the Bible to our lives. Now, it might mean your affections are challenged, your heart is changed. It might mean that you have a change of your thinking, your mind is challenged. It may mean that you need to go and take some kind of action. It, it might be that your affections are so challenged that we therefore then need to go and take that kind of action but we're to live out the Word of God, not forgetting what it says to us, not just turning off the TV after church online and going about the rest of your week forgetting what it says to us. Now, before we move on to the next section, I want to just emphasise the fact that doing the Word of God and putting it into action, it's never the grounds for our salvation. Our right response to the Word of God is not the grounds for our justification, our right standing before God. That is the work of Jesus at the cross. But responding rightly to the Word of God is simply a right response to the salvation that was gifted us when, when, when the Word of truth was planted in us. Now, with that in mind, James immediately moves into helping us to think about a few ways that we can begin to live out the Word. So have a look there in verse 26. He says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So really, this is an extension of the mirror illustration, if you like, but with particular points of application. And the first is taming the tongue. Now, James talks at length about this in chapter 3, which we will come to in, in a few weeks' time. But, but here he's saying, your worship of God, well, it's empty and it's fruitless if your tongue is out of control. Now, that's challenging, isn't it? Because keeping a tight rein in your tongue is not simply uh, referring to swearing, but gossip and slander and speaking harshly to one another, speaking out of turn. And I can't read these words and think to myself, nailed it. That would be self-deception. I find I'm constantly coming before God and asking for his forgiveness in this area of my life 
for the way I speak to people, for the way I speak about people, for the way I speak to my kids. I feel like a constant failure in this area. Now, the wonderful thing is, is that Jesus has already forgiven us. He's forgiven us for the harsh words that we spoke this morning before church or maybe even that, you, that you've spoken while church is online, at home. But not only do I want to thank God for his forgiveness, but I, I want to recognize as well that the word planted in me that has brought me to salvation needs to grow and bear fruit in this area of my life. The second call to action is how we look after widows and orphans. Now, in the time that James wrote his letter, he had a particular eye on physical provision for widows and orphans because there was no welfare system in any way, shape or form in, in the first century. And so if you were a widow, there was no way for you to make any kind of income for yourself. And so the church filled that void. Now, whilst we have a welfare system in place here in Australia, there are still plenty of vulnerable people and particularly amongst us during this COVID season. And the vulnerable won't necessarily just be widows and orphans, but single people and people with mental health issues or sickness or who are under financial stress at this time or single mums or single dads. These are the people that need the support and love and care of their church community more than ever. And it's probably for most of us, not physical and financial support that we need, though some have needed that, but it's company. It's knowing that they have not been forgotten, but they are actually loved and cherished by their church community. Here's a few tips for us in this season. First is simple, but necessary. Pray for others. That is the best thing that you can do for anyone. So pray for the vulnerable. The vulnerable you know, the vulnerable you don't know. Second one is phone someone who doesn't live with you and could do with some encouragement. Pick up the phone, make that call and encourage somebody. Do practical things for other people. That might be shopping or mowing the lawn or dropping off some flowers, baking them a cake for their birthday or whatever it might be. Doing practical things for others. The fourth one is exercise with someone. We're all allowed to go out and exercise with one other person. So choose someone and go for a walk with that person who just needs a little bit of company or needs a little bit of extra motivation to get up and get out of the house. The fifth one is invite people for a meal via video conferencing. This is a great way to uh, love single people, a great way for us as families to be able to love uh, our church, kids' church leaders. Invite them to a video conference dinner. Uh, with you and your family and it'll be chaotic and messy but it'll be fun and the sixth one is is prioritize your community groups both on Sunday and midweek your in, your attendance at those things encourages people around you and I want to just kind of press into that last point because I know that many of us are actually enjoying the online experience with just our families but we do want to stretch ourselves we do want to stretch ourselves at this time as well and, and love the wider church family wherever we can. Just take one uncomfortable step forward this week. And the last point of application is this. 
James chapter 1, verse 27. To keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, coronavirus actually gives us a really great illustration with this here, right? Social distancing is in place because rubbing shoulders with someone uh, can, can result in us easily catching the virus. Now, as Christians, we don't want to go into lockdown and live in a bubble of Christianity for fear of pollution. But we all know, don't we, how easy it is for our affections and our actions to be polluted by the world which is where the importance of reading the word comes into play. We're constantly bombarded by the world's way of thinking and the world's advice and the best thing that we can do to avoid being polluted is to look intently into the word of God, into the word that brings freedom and put it into action. Why don't I pray that we do that now? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is implanted in us and brings us salvation. And we pray that it would bear fruit in our life. We ask God that you would change us and that we wouldn't fall into the trap of looking into the mirror and forgetting what it says to us about the state of our soul and our heart. Help us to do what it says, to put it into action. We thank you so much that this is not the grounds for our salvation, but simply a right response to your word. Help us to love those around us. Help us not to be polluted by the world and help us to rein in our tongue. In Jesus' name, amen.